I kind of want to sing that Dave Dobbin song, you know, but you, get, but you don't want to see me do the Dave Dobbin song. I actually don't know it, and I, and I, I can sing, but, I, but I'm no, um, no strummer like him. Hey, um... Trevor's on holiday at the moment, so he's my, um, feels like I'm split in half, you know, this is crikey. You know, um, yesterday I was having a little bit of a look at um, New Zealand Sports Hall of Fame, and um, I think it was founded in about 1990, and and you have to be um, retired from your um, profession in sports by about two years or something like that to be considered for induction into the... New Zealand Sports Hall of Fame, and some great people in there, and, um, and I was looking through them, and I thought, man, that's amazing, those persons, they did some awesome things, and so for those of you that are a little bit, these are, some of you will know some of these names, and others you won't, and, um, and I just thought I'll take a few from a few different um, age brackets, you know, so Daniel Loder, the swimmer, he is inducted into the New Zealand Sports Hall of Fame, Michael Jones, we all know, I hope you all know. Famous number seven, all black. Uh, Chris Amon, a, a racing car driver. He's in there as well. Uh, Bruce McLaren, is the Formula One uh, racer. And Gene Batten, the aviator, as well as in there. And, of course, uh, Sir Peter Blake is in there as well. There's uh, 182 people in the New Zealand Hawks, uh, Hall Sports, Sports Hall of Fame. Is that it? And um, they're all different things. Some have passed away and some are, are still alive today. And so, you know, I was just looking through those and going, man, these people have done some, just some amazing things in sports. And then there's other ones, you know, America's got the great Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, and they've got various uh, things here as well. But I was just really inspired that these are some New Zealanders that have done really great things in their um, sport. And so today I thought we'd have a look at another a group of people who are in God's Hall of Fame, who believe in an amazing God to do impossible things. And so today I want to read a long passage of Scripture. You're all going, yippee! Okay, so those people there are in that. You people over there are getting there. Hey? Because, you know, I like reading Scripture out aloud. I tell you what, when God's Word goes forth... It always accomplishes what it was going forth for, you know? And when I just read it out aloud, it always sounds meaner and, like, really cool, you know? I think it's living and active and all of those, you know, God's word is this, it's a sword, and it's all these great things, you know? And so um, hold on, because this is going to be a great one. So this is from Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm reading from a little different version, so we'll see how that goes. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. By faith we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we don't see. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he bought, 
that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteous. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. Now, I find this very interesting that he's always interested in what we believe rather than what we bring. We need to believe him more. So this isn't this is me now, all right? This is interlaced, Hebrews chapter 11. This is not in the Bible, but this is a bit of me. We need to believe him more, you know, more of who he is, more of what he has done for us, more of the plans that he has for us, more of the hope that we have in him, more of the power of God he has placed in us, more of the very person that lives in us, more of the gifts and the talents he has placed inside of us, more unceasingly love that he has for us, and more of the unrelenting deepness of his grace towards us. You know, I love this little thing. I'm flying around the Bible here today. So um, I love this little passage in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 8. In him, this is in Christ, in the very person of Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Now, I love this word lavish. I think it's the meanest kind of word, one of the meanest words in the Bible, you know, next to somebody stabbing somebody, but you know. Um, lavish is this, is this um, great thing. It means to give freely, to spend, to heap, to shower, to pour, to deluge, to give generously. And um, I have this little thing in here. Who knows what this is? All of you chippies out there? Right? It's a timekeeper, yeah, that's right. And if any of you misbehave, look out, right? No, no. This is a plumb bob, you know, and, and um, I, 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 was just talking to, I was just talking to Karen this morning, and she said, oh, it's a plumb bob. And I said, yeah. Or she said, it's my plummy thingy. And I says, yeah. And, and the thing is with this, that it always stays level. It doesn't matter what, how you, you know, I can put it over there or put it, you can put it anywhere you like. As soon as you pick it up and you dangle it like this, it will always go level. All right? So most of us as chippies, We've all got spirit levels and everything else, and then we let one of the apprentices use it, and then it's bent. <laughs> but then he's the new owner of that, new, of that level. <laughs> all right? And um, so the apprentices normally own quite a lot of levels, and none of them are level, because <laughs> they've dropped them or used them as a lever or something like that. But you can never go wrong with plumb bob. You just can roll something and chuck it in your pocket, but every time you put it up, it'll always be level, you see. And the thing is with this is what we do is we stick a nail in a building, we dangle this on the nail, and we measure the top, measure the bottom, make sure that wall's nice and straight. So these are undamageable. Now, God's love towards us, you know, he, I don't believe that God desires us to live here. Right? I don't believe that God wants us to live straight when we do daft things, we get way the heck out here. And we get followed around by the spirit of stupidness. And, um, and we do some dumb things. And we hang way the heck out here. And you know what? And then when we come to God and say, yeah, I've made a mess of that. And we get back where? We get back on the, what we call the straight and narrow. You know, We get back here. 
on the level. This is what grace is. He wants us to live way out there. Right? He wants us to live way out. That is what lavishness is. He lavishes us. He won't just bring you to here. He wants us to live way the heck out here. He wants us to live in his grace. He doesn't want you to live just right here, right here like that. I don't believe he wants us to live there. He wants us to live right out there. Because his lavish grace that he pours upon us is just so massive. His, his, and we can't earn that. The only place we can get to is we can only get to there. We can only get back to straight up and down again. It's only with his grace that he wants us to live way the heck out there. He heaps his grace upon us. He extends and expends his grace upon us. He showers his grace upon us. He pours his grace upon us. He deluges on it and he gives it to us freely. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, back to Hebrews. That's just a, that's a free one, that one. All right, so back to Hebrews. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know on the basis of a reliable testimony that he, that before he was taken, he pleased God. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe that both he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. We got to start approaching, believing, responding, and seeking him. Verse 7, by, Noah, by faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the righteous of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. You know, there seems to be no rain before the flood. And you go, okay, so how did the plants grow and so on? I reckon it just came out of the earth. You know, Russell Crowe, I mean, the movies are right, aren't they? You know, when we see Noah and all the, and the water came out of the ground and went down those little things and the camera was right there. Because the movies are true, eh? <laughs> Particularly with Russell Crowe, you know? <laughs> and... Um, but the water came out of the earth and made everything grow and things like that. But God warned Noah about something that he couldn't see that, he, that had never happened before. And he did something about it. And the result, he was saved and he became intimate with God. And a new creation came after him as well. Back in Hebrews, by an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place. That would become his home. Whenever he left, uh, when he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country, promised him, lived as a stranger, camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it, did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real eternal foundations, the city designed and built by God. I love this. Abraham, 
particularly in Genesis chapter 12. I think it's just one of the most phenomenal pieces of scripture you can read. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and to 3. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There's lots of I wills in this passage here. It's a great little thing, you know. I reckon this is a massive pinnacle in the Old Testament. Lots of I wills, the promises of God that came to Abraham. I will make you, I will bless you, I will, you will be all those absolute this, this, and this. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed because of him. We are one of those. You are blessed because of what Abraham did. Baldy heard God speak to him, go to this land, because he was just a southern Iraqi terrorist who just turned around in the south of Iraq. And God spoke to him and said, go to this other land. And he just upped and left and everything and went and planted himself in there. Just an amazing uh, person. By faith, Baron Sarah was able to become pregnant, old woman, as she was at the time, because she lived, because she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. That's how it happened. From one man's dead and shriveled loins, there are now people numbering in their millions. It's a great little little um, uh, what do you call it? Translation. This one, yeah. From one man's dead. And, um, and I go, really? So I've written this down here, really? And I said, Abraham fell over with laughter, the Bible talks about, at, at, at this statement. And Sarah laughed inside and then denied it, probably pointing at Abraham going, really? Have a look at him. Um, have a look at me. Each of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what they promised but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in a distance, waved their greeting, and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they were looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back any time they wanted, but they were after a far better country than that, a heavenly country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. By faith, Abraham, at the time of testing, offered Isaac back to God. Acting in faith, he was ready to return the promised son, his only son, as he had been to receive him. And this after he had already been told, your descendants shall come from Isaac. Abraham figured that if God wanted to, he could raise him from the dead. In a sense, that is what happened when he received Isaac back alive from off the altar. By an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future and he blessed Jacob and Esau. 
By an act of faith, Jacob, on his deathbed, blessed each of Joseph's son in turn, blessing them with God's blessing, not his own, as he bowed worshipfully upon his staff. By an act of faith, Joseph, while dying, prophesied the exodus of Israel and made arrangements for his own burial. By an act of faith, Moses' parents hid him away for three months after his birth. They saw the child's beauty and they braved the king's decree. By faith, Moses, when grown, refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. He chose a hard life with God's people rather than the opportunistic life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead anticipating the payoff. By an act of faith, he turned his heel on Egypt, indifferent to the king's blind rage. He had his eye on the one no eye can see and kept right on going. By an act of faith, he kept the Passover feast and sprinkled Passover blood on each house so that the destroyer of the firstborn wouldn't touch them. By an act of faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptians tried it and drowned. By by faith, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days, and the walls fell flat. By an act of faith, Rahab, the Jericho harlot, welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction that came on those who refused to trust God. This is just a great hall of fame, I reckon, in the New Testament. And um, we can learn so many things from these people. They did all these things. They went there. They did that. They heard the voice of God. They left their homes. And, and they saw things from a distance and thought, this is where we're going. I'm going for that. <clears throat> There's another hall as well. These are made up of people that have long-term gone and passed um, from us. Here are some that I really admire and have read about. Francis of Assisi, one of his greatest um, quotes was, at all times preach the gospel and if necessary use words. You know? Remarkable saint of the 12th and 13th century who returned to the roots of the gospel, voluntarily accepting a life of poverty and chastity. Martin Luther King, pioneering leader of the U.S. civil rights, who has read some of his speeches. Just amazing. Uh, Fought peaceful for an end to segregation and discrimination against colored people in America. His powerful speeches. Joan of Arc, a poor peasant girl who at a very young age rose from obscurity to shape the course of French and European history. Mother Teresa devoted life to the care and service of the poor, a true devoted, uh, devotee of Christ who inspired others to change their attitude towards the poor. William Wilberforce, with others, campaigned successfully for the abolishment of slavery. Martin Luther sought to reform the Roman Catholic Church, which he felt had been corrupted and lost its original focus. Eric Liddell, 
Olympic 400-meter champion turned down an opportunity to run 100 meters because the heats involved participating on Sundays, which he considered sacred. Does that remind you of somebody? Michael Jones. C.S. Lewis, best-selling author who sought to promote Christian ideas within the context of his Narnia Chronicles. Dietrich Bonhoeffer a Lutheran pastor who was influential critic of Hitler and Nazism. His theology and writings remain influential to today. William Tyndale was one of the first persons to print the Bible in English. He worked on translating the Bible into English even when it was deemed an illegal act. He was executed for blasphemy after years of avoiding capture. Smith Wigglesworth As a small child, he worked in fields pulling turnips. Alongside his mother, he also worked in factories during his childhood. He was illiterate. Visited New Zealand, was an amazing revivalist healer. John G. Lake, where he worked as a roofer and a construction worker, had a most amazing, powerful healing ministry. Amy Semple McPherson, a Hollywood influencer with the likes of Charlie Chapman and Anthony Quinn, changed the face of, of uh, caring for the poor in the Hollywood area. William J. Seymour, instrumental at Azusa Street Pentecostal Movement at the start of last century. Right? Just some amazing things. And so what about today's hall? Because I think today we have a hall of fame as well. <clears throat> John Wimber, a Las Vegas musician, on one of his first occasions to church, complained that there weren't enough ashtrays in the backs of the seats. <clears throat> who, who, after hearing a message, a message from the Gospels, asked, when do we get to do the stuff? What stuff, he was asked. The stuff Jesus did, you know, healing people and all that. To which came the reply, oh no, we don't... We only talk about it. We don't do it. (laughs) Went on to become one of the great men of the faith, leading thousands to Christ through power evangelism and power healing and founded the Vineyard International Movement. Bill Johnson, a charismatic Christian revivalist, itinerant speaker, author, and senior pastor of Bethel Church in Reading, California, a true revivalist, and I've only heard Bill speak once, and I was just, I was just really inspired. It was really, really amazing. Chris Valaton, he's spoken here. Some of you will know Chris is a noted prophetic voice worldwide, and has served Bill and his team on his apostolic team for decades. Ian and Mary Grant. Ian and Mary were compelled by their deep Christian faith and the hope offered to all people through the gospel. They sought to outwork this through equipping and encouraging parents to grow great family relationships. He would often quote, I am just one beggar telling other beggars where there is bread. Uh, Kim Goodwin, uh, a great equipper of the saints in Indonesia. This, I think, is our hall. You know, these are our... We know most of these people that are our hall, you know. Those people, we remember the people from the Bible 
We remember those people that have long gone and things like that. And these ones are our hall of great um, famous people that have gone out and are doing just amazing things to him. And so we come to the very last, or in a sense, the first verse of Hebrews chapter 12. And it says this, therefore, and you know what therefore means, don't you? After you've read all of that, then this, right? So that's what that is, that's the go with that. Since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, right? And then the writer goes on there. And then there is us, because we are surrounded by this great crowd of witnesses from the Bible, from that have dead and gone, from our own hall that we know and things like that. We come to us. And then there is you and me, the plumber, the school teacher, the mother, the engineer, the carpenter, the administrator, the gardener, the student. And then the writer says to us, let us lay aside and run well. You know, when I came in here this morning, a couple of um, congregation here, let's pray for you for today. You see, and I said, hang on, let me just get rid of all my entanglements. You know, so out of my pocket came my keys and my phone. And, um, you know, sometimes when I'm just getting down to the business, I just, I take off my watch and I take off my rings and I take my glasses off, and I'm just, and I roll my sleeves up, and I just go, right, I'm kind of ready now, you know? I'm taking off all that kind of stuff that I've just kind of been, you know, I've kind of made myself look, whatever it might be, comfortable or handsome. No, I'm... <laughs> why, are you, why are you laughing out loud like that? <laughs> Don't point at laughter, okay? So that's, <laughs> You know, it's just so I can get myself in a position where I can receive from God and where I'm actually getting rid of all the stuff that just entangles me up. Right? So today, I want us to consider this, and I want to ask you this. When, since we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, what about me? When we come to him, what about me? What can I do? And here's some, this is, I wrote this down as well, there's something really special about um, when we stand in a sense. So why don't you just stand, actually? That would just be the best thing. <clears throat> and, um, and I always like to kind of do this thing of let's just assume the position, you know? And, um, and I think the position is one of um, and getting unentangled and, um, and stuff. And let's get down to the business end of how we respond to what God is asking us to do, you know, and what he wants us, what he wants for our lives, and how he's placed us and where he's placed us, you know. And, um, and you know that we are just amazing people, that he has done incredible things for us, to us, through us, and in us. Probably my most famous word in the Bible is probably the smallest word in the Bible, you know. It is in because you know that you are in Christ. He is in you. You are in Him. Every time God looks at you, He only sees Jesus. You know? And you all look like Him. You know? He just, He always sees you. 
You know, sometimes we go, oh, I'm just going to go off and I'm going to look for God in time. When God looks at you, he just sees his son in you every single time. Every single time he just sees you and he's always smiling towards you. Every time he's smiling towards you because he's looking at his own. He's looking at his own son, his own daughter inside of you. I'll just get rid of my entanglements. You know, I'm keeping my shoes on, all right? You know, when God spoke, everything came into existence. When God's word, when he spoke out his word, word, everything came into existence. There was a collision between a chaotic world and the word of God and light came. God filled his emptiness, filled emptiness and his word with his word. And with his word, things came into being, you know. And so today, you know, you're most welcome to respond, you know, about, because um, we just want to continue to, we want to um, pray for you and impart things into you about how God actually does see you. And about the amazing crowd of witnesses that we, that have gone before us, you know, the bunch of people that have gone before us. And you know what? We're the next bunch of those. I want to join that hall. I want to join today's hall of great men and women of faith. You know, I want to join that hall. Father, we want to thank you for for what you have done in these people's lives, Father. And I pray your blessing to be upon every person here. And Father, I pray, Father, that as as you draw them, Father, unto you, when they, they, in a sense, they put their hands out or up or across, Father, that you would fill every desire that they have. And that, God, you would make, do something special on every person here, Father. That they can be part of the Hall of Fame as we're surrounded by this great crowd of witnesses watching us from afar, just going, this is you. This is who you're made of. This is who you're made for. And so if, if, you, uh, if you want some prayer today, you know, can I encourage you to just come? We have a ministry team here. They just want to pray for you and just continue to see what God's, you know, what God has for your life. And they just want to continue to encourage you and to pray for you and to draw that out from you and to impart to you the goodness of God. Thank you, Father. So come now if you want some prayer and um, our team will, will um, come and, um, and pray for you.